What's up, you guys, and welcome back to the 1% Academy podcast, where we are striving to get 1% better every single day, brought to you by 1% Athletics. And joining the podcast today is my good pal, Brooks Benson. Brooks and I played together during the 2020 COVID Yenzer League that they had up in Washington, Pennsylvania, which was hosted by the Washington Wild Things. It was one of the spinoff Frontier Leagues they did during 2020. And so that's where me and Brooks got to be really good friends. It was Brooks, Pete Jorgen, former guest of the show, and myself. We would, you know, we were all on the same team, so we hung out quite a bit, not only on the field, but off the field as well. On this episode, you're going to hear a very familiar voice as we are joined by my good pal, Pete Jorgen. At the time of this recording, he was still in the season. But this episode is releasing after their season ended, and so I just want to send a congratulatory message out to Pete Jorgen, who he was playing with the Lexington Legends this past year, which was in the Atlantic League. It's the highest league of independent baseball. The, the league is littered with guys that have AAA and MLB experience. In fact, Pete just played this last season with Brandon Phillips, who played with the Cincinnati Reds and was an all-star, you know, a, a face of baseball. And so, very good and amazing opportunity for Pete to have that experience, and I'm so proud that he got to have that. And his team went on to win the Atlantic League Championship this year, so they just finished up about a week or two ago, and it's just so awesome, because um, I know Pete's from from Ohio and Brandon Phillips was one of his favorite players growing up he was a Reds fan and so I know for him you know last year or in 2020 we played with Brandon up in the COVID Yenzer League he was up there playing with us so you know just being around him every day at the ballpark and just getting to pick his brain like unreal experience and I know Pete like every night was talking about just how cool it was that we were getting to play with Brandon, and so I just I know this season for him was pretty special, getting to spend a whole year with Brandon Phillips as a teammate, and so I'm just I'm super happy for Pete. Want to give him a shout out because I know I know just how much as baseball players you know we prepare and we grind for those kind of opportunities, and Pete got his opportunity, and he made the most of it. But he will be joining the show today as a guest host so I'm excited to have him on real quick let me give you guys some background information on Brooks Brooks went to Garden City Junior College he went on to play at the University of Nebraska at Kearney he was only there for a short time before things did not work out and so he went on to Southwest Oklahoma State University which is where he finished his college career Brooks is going to talk about his time in college and some of the things that he went on some of the adversity that he faced so you'll hear all about it and then after southwest oklahoma state brooks went on to play three years of independent baseball playing in the pecos league the yenzer league which is the league i just referenced that we were in during 2020 and then he finished off this past year playing in the pioneer league which became a independent baseball league after they left affiliated baseball so Brooks is going to talk to you guys about his journey, some of the adversities he faced, and he's also going to share with you a message that he has that that he just just happened. And so it's a really great episode. I'm excited for you guys to listen to it. 
I want to thank you guys for listening to the show. You know, it's pretty cool because I go and look at the analytics after each episode to see how the episode is doing. And when I look at the viewership, I have a very wide audience as far as I have viewers all across or listeners all across the world. And I think that's just extremely cool just that people from all walks of life are tuning in. So I just want to tell you guys, thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, if you think I'm providing valuable content or I'm just, you know, you, you just enjoy listening. All I do, all I ask is that you will share the show, share it to a friend, share it on social media, just to bring in more listeners and to help me grow. Remember, the show is brought to you by 1% Athletics, which is my my fitness brand. We are striving to get 1% better every single day. If you haven't yet, go to www.1percentathletics.com and pick up your 1% Better shirt. And be on the lookout because in a few weeks, I'm going to be releasing my college course on how to maximize your baseball recruiting as far as getting yourself exposure, getting in front of coaches, what the process is going to look like, what coaches are looking for. Every question you can imagine about the recruiting process is going to be in it. I'm going to be releasing that very soon. It's going to be very valuable and helping your career and helping you get to that next step and become a college athlete. And now it's time for our interview with Brooks Benson. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to podcast. A familiar voice is back on the podcast, Mr. Pete Jorgen. How you doing? Doing great. I'm doing. It's great to have you back, bud. Oh, it's great to be back. It's been so long. And today, guys, we have a very special guest on the show. And this is something that, this has been in the works now for like over a year. And finally we're able to coordinate this get it set up and today we have my good friend brooks benson on the one percent academy podcast dude i'm excited to have you on how you doing oh it is great to finally be on this podcast after a year of talking about podcasting (laughs) to finally get on the podcast of one percent athletics baby so i i just uh i just got Invisalign, so I'm taking my Invisalign out real quick. Don't judge me. That way I'm not slurring on the podcast. Nice. Wondering what that was. Yeah. Uh, Brooks, before we get started, you actually, you have a, you have a very big announcement that uh, you just announced the other day, but, you know, you haven't had your media tour yet, so we'll let this be the first, first start of that media tour, and I'll let you go ahead and announce to the world what is going on. Uh, in the world of Brooks Benson. Oh, first, let me give you the proper introduction. Okay. For, for everyone that doesn't know Brooks, Brooks, and Brooks, Brooks, Pete, and I played together last year in the 2020 Yenzer COVID League, and that was your third professional year or second? Second. Second. Second professional year um, with, with Pete and I. Brooks went to Garden City Community College, and then... Where'd you go after that? I told you I didn't do any research before this, so I'm winging it here. <laughs> I went to University of Nebraska at Kearney. was a loper for a year, my junior year. I, I sucked, so I, they, ended up, they ended up cutting me uh, at the end of the year. 
and then I went to Southwest Oklahoma State University. And then that's when Oklahoma. Yeah, and then that's when you got into pro ball after that, correct? Yep. Yep. Okay. So there's there's a little background on Brooks, you guys. JUCO JUCO Bandit goes and plays university, and then he um, goes on and is able to play independent baseball. And he has a, a very big announcement that he's about to to break live here on the show. <laughs> Don't want to put too much <laughs> too much pressure on you. <laughs> I'm making a comeback, psych. I wish, I wish, man. But yeah, I am, as the cool kids say, hanging up the cleats or throwing them onto the electric wire or whatever you want to call them. How does that feel to say that? Felt weird. Not gonna lie. At first, when I first decided, I was like, yeah, that's, this is it. I'm done. A little weird, but I kind of like it. How long so, How long did it take you to come to that decision? Like, what, take, take me through the decision-making process because obviously this is something that we're all going to have to go through at some point. And uh, like you said, you know, before we, went, <clears throat> before we went live here on the podcast, you referenced Pete saying Pete was the only one left between the three of us. And I told you I wasn't done just quite yet, but take me through the decision-making process of how you got to that point, uh, what led up to it, and kind of some of your emotions going through it. Uh, so I got released by the Idaho Falls Truckers back in June. Um, didn't start off so hot. I think I went like two for 17. I didn't play much. I uh, hit a home run and a double, of course. I think I struck out like 12 times, too. So, yeah, it was a pretty tough start. <laughs> and so I got released in June, about two or three weeks into the season, uh, understandably. So I was kind of like trying to reach out, see if anyone needed any guys. I didn't get any back. And uh, no disrespect to Joe Torrey, I just didn't want to come out and spend money and play in the Inzer. Um, just allows a lot of money that I didn't have at the time. Um, so I was still trying to, like, get paid to play. And so I just kept calling, kept calling. No one was calling back. Everyone was like, oh, you have to come to this tryout, which is clear across the country. I didn't really have the money for that. Um, so I was like, okay, then I'll just get ready for the Pioneer League uh, league-wide tryout in Ogden, Utah, see if I can catch on to another Pioneer team. So that time comes, and I do pretty well. Uh, show pretty well at the tryout, and unfortunately, no one took me. So because each team had to take at least one person, but they all picked two or three. Uh, but I didn't get picked. So after that, I kind of was just like, well, maybe I just take a break for a little bit from training, and maybe see what happens for next year. Excuse me, and then. Pretty much just started working a lot, um, made some money. I was like, oh, this making money thing's kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice not being a broke independent baseball player, isn't it? It, it really is. And so we'll, we'll and get into that. Huh? I said we'll get into that because we have okay. I want to jump into the topic about, you know, being up in PA and kind of what we were doing. But go, go ahead. Oh, Keep go ahead. Keep uh, keep going. Um, 
Yeah, so with the, the way of the world right now, I knew that if I ever wanted to be financially free and be able to have a family and be able to do the things I want in life, that baseball probably not in the cards. So I just kind of decided after a while, like, you know, like baseball was fun. I had my time. I did really well. I haven't heard from anyone. It's probably time to just call it and move on and start my own business, start my own life, and kind of go from there. That's some deep stuff right there. Deep. <laughs> Low-key, when I was typing out my little Instagram post, I cried a little bit. That's the only the only emotion you've had? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I was going back and forth a lot. So I was like, I was like, oh, people are going to think like this dude's got like no, no, like, oh, this guy's just going to be baseball for the rest of his life, which is fun. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it was time as much as I love the game. See, I have to, it's kind of why I've asked you, asked you this question because I find myself in that exact same position where, you know, at the beginning of the year, I told Joe, um, Joe Torrey with the Black Sox, I was like, dude, I'm not going to be doing as much stuff as I have in the past, like going to all the one-day workouts, the tryouts, um, going to Florida, all that stuff to get prepared. And part of that was I kind of felt like at some point, you know, once you kind of you've been in the game for a little bit, you kind of reach that veteran status. It's you shouldn't have to grind that hard to get a job. You should be able to have the credibility, have the resume to say, this guy has proven himself year in, year out. I can give this guy a job off of word of mouth. And because, you know, I see that happening a lot in, in indie ball. Um, and it really kind of pisses me off, if we're going to be quite frank. And so, you know, you guys are behind the scenes. So Y'all know how it works. But. I, that, that was kind of how I was feeling at the moment. I was like, I've had three good years. I've put up numbers. I should be able to to get a job off word of mouth. And so I was like, Joe, I'm not going to be able to do all this stuff. And, you know, I got the baseball organization going down here in Texas now. And that was kind of what I told Joe. I was like, Joe, like I need – I just need to take this year and make money because, like, let's be honest, like we don't make money doing this. And so for me no. – yeah, you lose money. And so for me, the only way I've been able to do it is my dad's helped me out. And that's, that's, you know, I think every person in, in this game, unless they're bonus babies, they have their parents backing to help them get through, um, you know, doing this. And so, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, that my dad's helped me when I needed help. And I've kind of gotten to the age where he's like, you know, I can't continue to put out that same amount of, of, cash flow to to let you go do this and so you know i was kind of at the point where like i got something going to texas i need you know i told joe i need to be home to build this so i can have a financial income to be stable on and then when opportunities arise in the future you know now i can be able to leave because i have a stable income and that was kind of where my mind was at you know and i got the apollo's opportunity which turned into a just a a absolute waste of time for two weeks if i'm going to be frank because you know i I invested a lot of money and i leave and yeah y'all know the story but the whole point of this is i find myself in the same position of you i'm like life is coming i need to 
make it make a income but at the same time it's like i look at myself and i feel still i still feel good i feel like i'm in my prime and i don't really have a desire to stop playing baseball like i want to if i could play forever i want to play forever mm-hmm. but it's it's tough being in the middle because i think a lot of things for me it was like if i would have had that last hoorah for with the apollos i'd been clear being okay with with going out you know on the american association now I, like i didn't get that so now it's like I still want to chase that that brass ring that's like right there in front of my face and I can't grab it. Um, and so I'm sure a lot of the emotions I've felt is exactly what you have gone through to make this decision. And oh, yeah. it's it's that's why I kind of you know I wanted to know what what your train of thought was because I know for me that's going to be extremely tough. And I was I was hurt when I saw your post. You know I, I told you because. We're gonna get into it, but I mean, we spent a lot of time us three last year up in uh, whatever hotel that was, and we had a great time. <laughs> that was a great time. And I can't remember the name of it. What was it? A, no, Marriott Suites or no Courtyard uh, Suites, something like that. Fairfield Inn. Homewood. Homewood Suites. That's uh, what it was. Was it Homewood? I think it was Homewood. Let me look. I'm looking. Uh, oh, that's Pittsburgh. Where's Washington? Washington, PA, Sorry. baby. Go Washington, PA, baby. Hey, the Wild Things are in the uh, the finals of the Frontier League uh, Championship Series. I saw that, man. That in uh, Schaumburg. Yeah, Schaumburg. The Candlewood Suites. Candlewood, that's right. Do we remember our room number, like 203 or something like that? Right there on the you corner. Guys, you guys were right on the end, I think. Yeah, right there on the end. Second, second floor... Second floor, something right on the end. Uh, it was last year. All I know is it was a hell of a time. Uh, so was, Brooks, looking back now on on you know your career, now that you've come to terms with being able to hang it up, what do you think? Tell me some of the most the the proudest moments you've had playing. Like looking back, that you're you're reminiscent on. Definitely the JUCO days, of course. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Loved, loved my time at Garden City. Absolutely loved my time. Um, my my coach Chris Finnegan, he he knows how much I loved it. Um, we had a with my last year there. We had a really good squad. We won like forty five games. That was a lot of fun. We were like two, two or three games away from the JUCO World Series in Grand Junction, so we were, got pretty close. We had to come back through the losers bracket, so. We got pretty close. We got beat by Johnson County. Um, but, yeah, Juco for sure. Um, I would say summer in Madisonville 2015. That was a fun summer. Madisonville, Kentucky. Uh, we were – I remember the the lady who – her name was Trish, the lady who owned the team. And uh, the first little banquet we had, she said, hey, just – so you guys know. So let, let and we I think they she said they finished like ten and like like ten and thirty eight or something like that. And she goes, Let's make a difference this year and we ended up starting off I think we started off really hot. I think we started off like eight no or something like that. And we ended up losing in the championship series that year. But that was a like, Really fun group of guys to be a part of. Um, 
obviously playing in Canada for a couple of years too during the summer. That was fun. Uh, Carney is a funny story. Uh, so I went to Carney on practically a full ride minus room board. And I ended up sucking hard. And so I ended up getting, uh, I ended up getting cut at the end of the year. And I was dating a girl at the time and I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to move. And it was, it was just terrible. And then I found a spot at Southwest Oklahoma State, which I'm super grateful for. Enjoyed my time at Weatherford, Oklahoma, middle of nowhere, 10,000 people in the town, maybe. But it was, it was a good time, that, that division too. And then uh, obviously training at Driveline, got to face Trevor Bauer, uh, those big names, Brandon Mann, uh, Carson Fulmer. Uh, I have Carson Fulmer's number in live at bats, by the way. <laughs> Make sure you tell him to listen to the podcast so he knows you gave him a shout out during the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, like training a drive line, especially at the old facility. I miss that little old facility. It was so tiny and so, uh, oh, what's the word? Um, grindy, I guess you could say. Grindy? Uh, yeah grimy it was just it was it was a cool place to be at uh we had a 2019 off season when that was a really good group of guys um hitting hitting wise by the hit, pitchers whatever i love the pitchers there too uh and then playing monterey my first year uh in the pecos that was a lot of fun we had a good group of guys then played for sip then, huh then you play for sip there Yep, played for Sip. Sip's the man. Uh, love him. He was. Uh, I wasn't wasn't sure what to expect from him at first, and then he turned out to be one of my favorite guys. So that that was a lot of fun. Um, and then obviously last year, getting good old PA during the COVID year, and then um, finished off with Idaho Falls. So I had an absolute blast because I actually felt like I was playing professional baseball for once. Getting paid, like, decent money, getting spread before and after games, having a buzz, all this stuff that you're supposed to get when you play independent baseball or professional baseball. Uh, but unfortunately, that time was cut short because I sucked. But... <laughs> Pete, Pete's so living awesome. up. Pete's living up that life right now. He is, man. Lexington legend. That is, guys. I I forgot to even address this, but I do want to send a congratulatory message over to Pete Yorgan, my co-host, my good friend, because like I mentioned in uh, the welcome back episode, but Pete has been playing with the Lexington Legends in the Atlantic League this year, and. He's, been, he's a catcher over there with them, and not only are they in first place and doing well in the league, they made the playoffs, but Pete's been able to have himself a hell of a year and, and create opportunities for himself to add to his resume and open up doors for him in the future. And so I, for one, couldn't be more happy for Pete because at the end of the day, going through all these things that, that we go through, and this is kind of why I was talking about the American Association experience for myself because I know Pete's living that same experience being in the Atlantic League. But that's for us. That's what we've we've played for to get to those spots where 
You know, I mean, you're playing with big leaguers every single night. You have Brandon Phillips on your freaking team. You grew up idolizing this guy in Cincinnati, and now you're his teammate. Like, it's just, this is now, why. Now he's, he's part team owner and also my teammate <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's how, crazy. Yeah, how awesome is that? So It's awesome. It's I just so, I want to say so congratulations cool. because you've stuck around all year, too. And it's just, yep. it's awesome. And I'm so, I'm so happy for yep. you. I'm so I've proud been, of you. I've been here longer than a lot of people thought I'd be here. So. And that's what Thank it's about, man. appreciate that. That's what it's about. But, but Brooks, me and you have a lot in common because, I mean, the Juco route, we have Garden City, we have Monterey. It's just a lot of uh, similarities here on our, our timeline. But take me back to high school when you were going through the recruiting process first off what did the recruiting process look like for you what did you do to help yourself out uh, as far as camps emails reaching out to coaches whatever that process looked like and then how you decided on going to juco you know the only route there's not there's more to college baseball than just going that d1 route you know the juco is you know freaking incredible to go play juco baseball but also just what can I do to promote myself to get out there in front of these coaches, get exposure? So take us through that, uh, through your experience, through the recruiting process, and then JUCO baseball in general. I made varsity my junior year of high school, and I was our everyday right fielder, but I didn't really play that well. I think I only had eight hits that year, and I think I hit like two-something, something crappy, no homers, nothing. I wasn't a special player. Um, then my senior year, uh, I unfortunately started with a leg injury, uh, uh, pulled my hamstring and could barely walk. So, or I guess tore it, I guess he didn't really pull it. I guess I mostly tore it anyways. So I didn't play much my senior year. Um, so trying to get to college baseball from that was hard. But I did it because I just wanted I just wanted it at the end of the day. Like I actually ended up going to Paradise Valley Community College uh, in Phoenix right out of high school. So that fall of 2013. Um, so I got with Paradise Valley because I went to this showcase camp at Colorado Mesa University. Um, and actually Mesa was super interested in me. Uh, I did really well in that camp, and they just said, hey, all you need to do is get, like, an 18 on the ACT, and you're in, and I was like, cool, and I couldn't even get an 18 on the ACT, because I was a dumbass. (laughs) Dude, come on, I got a 21 on the ACT, let's go. (laughs) I got a 14. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Three times I tried, I got 14 every time, so... So, yeah, school, obviously, I hated my life. Um, so, but Paradise Valley ended up liking me. And so I ended up going to Paradise Valley, connected with one of their assistants up there. Excuse me. At the camp. Um, so that's how I got recruited. Um, and then my fall team that I was on, uh, I, or I committed to Paradise Valley verbally, I guess you could say. There was really never a side on a dotted line because they didn't do scholarships uh, to Phoenix schools. Um, 
So the fall team I was on, we played Garden City Community College, went down to their place and beat them on their on their home turf. And I remember Finney was so pissed. Uh, but I, I remember that was when I was still trying to decide if I wanted where I wanted to go. And I was really wanting to go somewhere in Arizona. And uh, so, but Finney called me and he was really interested. Um, but we played, he left a message and I called him back. He, then I left a message and he called me back. I just never returned his call. <laughs> I completely just ghosted him. Uh, which I look back now, it's hey, Brooks probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but it's, so it's, it was hilarious when I got cut from Paradise Valley. Um, I didn't do well that fall. I got cut. I was so scared to send that email to Chris Finnegan. I was like, I was like, shit, he's going to like, you know, either blow me off or he's going to send this like nasty email back. And why, why didn't I return his phone call earlier in the year? Blah, 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 whatever it was. And sure enough, I sent, sent him an email and then like within the next like two hours, boom, he's right back. He's like, yes, we would love to have you on campus. Just immediately wanted me. So that was kind of like, I was I ended up Colby Community College wanted wanted me as well, but they wanted to see me in a tryout first. So they're like, and then, but Finney at Garden was like, "We'll take you." Like we don't we unfortunately we we can only give you book money right now, but if you come here, we'll give you a scholarship for the next uh, one to two years, if depending if you redshirt or not. And I was like, okay, cool. So I decided to go to Garden because he wanted me at Garden. The JUCO life, it's not for everyone, let me tell you that. All people always say, like, the JUCO stories or whatever, like, you're, you're grinding, 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 whatever it's called, whatever they want to call it. But it really is a grind. Like, it's you don't go there for school. You go there for baseball. I don't give a shit what anyone, anyone tells anyone. If you're going to play a college sport, you're going to play that college sport over going to school. Sorry. That's how it is. Every college athlete knows that, too. Like Cardell Jones said for Ohio State a few years back, I didn't come here to play school. I came here to play football. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. It's 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 all true. Um, but, yeah, the Juco ball, there's, there's some good Juco players. You're going to have your bad schools here and there, yeah. But there's some really good Juco players. Like, I remember – we're facing Cowley County Community College in um, opening round and playoffs, or opening round in uh, the region regionals um, in Wichita, Kansas, my redshirt sophomore year. The guy pitching, he was, last time I checked, he was with the Astros organization, like AAA. Carson LaRue was his name. So he was pitching, and I remember Finney comes in, and we're having our, like, meeting before that like week that week leading up to a playoff the regional playoff started and he goes all right guys so the guy we're gonna face friday night under the lights is carson larue he's 93 95 and throws five pitches for a strike and we're all like what <laughs> we it's like we haven't seen 95 yet we've seen 90 92 a good amount but we're like 93 95 like he's like yeah he just uh he uh, transferred from oklahoma state at semester he's their number one like he's a dude he's probably gonna get drafted sure enough he got drafted like the 14th round that year by the astros but yeah he's like all right 
sounds good. We're going to face this guy. So I remember that week we went full-blown hack attack. Like, we're going 100 off the hack, trying to simulate this guy's fastball as much as we can. And then we face, we go and face him. We hit off him actually really well. We got eight hits, hit eight hits off him, if I remember correctly. But only scored one run and lost 11 11-1. All singles? No run production? Uh, actually hit a double off the guy. Look at you. So, mostly singles. I think me and another guy had one double, and that was it. Yeah, it was that was a tough day, and our number one, Noah Draper, poor guy got lit up. Their hitters were pretty dang good. It's like guys like that, you don't you don't think you're going to face that in Juco, and you are, like, especially now these days, especially if you're in, like, Texas, or if you're in Florida, or you're just in the South in general. Like, you're going to face guys who throw 95 at Juco regularly. That's just a given. Like, Kansas, you'll have your good schools like Neosho, Cali, um, Hudge, Garden, and Johnson County, Fort Scott. Those guys will have their guys who throw 90. But there's going to be a lot more consistent 95 in the South because everyone wants to be playing in Texas, Florida, uh, like Louisiana, Mississippi, all those southern schools because it's, well, it's hot and it's nice weather for baseball. Dude, Juco, Juco, I must have had it good as a Juco guy because everyone's like, oh, it's a grind, it's a grind, it's a grind. But when I went to Tyler, our coach told us that, you know, like he had this belief in Doug Wren, I mean, one of the best coaches, I think, in college baseball. Even though I redshirted as a freshman, I still, like, I look back and I'm like, man, that was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. But for him, he was like, I don't think we got We need to overdo anything. We're going to be on the field for three hours a day, 2.30 to 5.30. We were out of practice. And it was nice, too, because we would come in the locker room and we had a full set schedule of what we were doing at every single time of, of practice. You know, 2.30 was arrived. 2.45 was on the line stretch. 2.50 warming up. Like, it was, it was set schedule. We knew what we were doing. We knew what practice looked like. And we didn't do all the extra running either, which is like, that's the horror story you hear going to Juco. It's like, oh, you're just going to run your tail off. You're going to be running at 4 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock at night, because there's no rules in Juco as far as how much you can practice and, and, you know, the regulations for all that kind of stuff. And so, I don't know. I I look back and I'm like, man, I had it good because I didn't have to go through all that, that crap. But at the same time, Juco is like, if, if any kid had the decision of where to go, I'm saying, dude, you got to go Juco 100%. Because I feel like it's a stepping stone. Like, man, you're an 18-year-old kid, and you're going away from home for, pro- for probably the first time. You're going to be on your own for probably the first time. You're going to have responsibilities for the first time. I think Juco is the best stepping stone to get to a, a university and play a high level of college baseball. Just because... First off, you can go in right away and play as a freshman, and you know because JUCO you only have a freshman sophomore class, so you're not going to get stuck behind a junior senior at a four year university that's a stud or probably a draft prospect if you're at one of the big Power Five schools, and you're going to be able to get to development on top of not having practice regulations where you you know. Like when I was at Prairie View, all through the fall, we had like one-on-one individual workouts for 30 minutes because that fit the, the practice regulation. But at JUCO, you don't have that. So you get all these extra reps 
ground balls, mm-hmm. hitting, fly balls, bullpens, whatever, because the coaches could be hands-on 24-7. And right. then, you know, you talk about the school part of it, like, yeah, it's a, it's a breeze. Like, I remember one class, literally, we would only show up once, and we would get a review. It was 200 questions, and the guy would tell us, this is your test. We'd show up for the test, and it would be 150 of those 200 questions. So we just had to know the 200 questions and then figure out which 150 were going to be on the test. And that was our class. Like it was, you know, so from the school part of it, it's nice because like for me, I saw it as a way that I could go in, reset my GPA, and I was going to take all my core classes. So I, I think I ended up taking like 18 hours when I was in JUCO. I came out of JUCO with like 69 credits, something crazy like that. And then, of course, I transferred to Prairie View, and I lose, like, half of them. I'm like, why did I spend all this time grinding away in class, and I ain't even getting my credits? But that's another story for another day. But, <laughs> you know, like, you can go through, and you get all your core, core credits done. You can boost your GPA. You can develop as a baseball player, and you're draft eligible as a freshman. So... There's just there's so many pros that go into it, and man, just the camaraderie that you build as a as a JUCO ball player, especially like I know you being in Garden City. There's you know I was in Garden City for a year. There's not much to do out there in the middle of Kansas, and so you you bond really quick with your teammates. And you know the year I left TJC, they went on to win the World Series, which was the first of four that they would win back to back to back to back, and. My freshman year, I think our team was better than it was our sophomore year. We had, like, talent-wise, we were better. But sophomore year, that team, man, we were we were brothers. We were, like, you couldn't separate us at any time of the day. We were always together. And I think that team chemistry you build is what leads to that success and then leads to the friendships that go on way past baseball. And ultimately, that's what it's about. So, you know, I'm with you. I think the JUCO life is – like 100 percent it's a full experience out of baseball that that you can get oh yeah like it's like these days so many kids are interested on like social media don't get me wrong like i was that kid too wanted to be that d1 guy like oh like look at me guys on division one now who who cares like if you ball out of the juco and you get noticed you're gonna get noticed like it's that simple because juco is great baseball that and that's the thing man that status like so many guys get caught up in that status but it's like okay cool you're going to texas a&m but you're the 25th man on the roster so you're probably not going to play because you're your you are your number one your high school's number one guy going to a school that has every other high school's number one guy and these guys probably got drafted out of high school and turned it down so you're the 25th man to texas a&m you're not going to see playing time. So cool. You could say you're on the baseball team. You get in free to all the parties. You're going to get all the girls. But what's your baseball experience look like? Because that's ultimately what you go there for. Yep. And, you know, so it's like, I don't know. I, I look at it, I guess, you know, I was, I'm the same way. I was never highly touted out of high school. I was never highly recruited. So I can't relate in that sense. But I know from my experience what JUCO provided for me. And I can see how guys I know that went to big four-year schools and then ended up transferring later on because of, you know, they didn't get to play. And so I kind of see how, how, you know, that happens from just from my personal experiences. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think I think JUCO is 100% man. Like that's the way to go. It's the life, and like you said, it's good baseball, especially in Texas. Texas is loaded with JUCO baseball all over the state. I mean, there's, yeah. I think there's like 40 or 50 JUCOs in general just in Texas. Like we have three different regions. Like it's Insane. crazy. Yeah, like especially if you go to a JUCO in the middle of nowhere, like that's when it's awesome. That's when it's a lot of fun. Because I remember uh, when I first got to Garden uh, that spring of 2014, January 2014, when I arrived in Garden. Uh, actually, rewind a second. When I was playing for that fall team, uh, my senior year of high school, when we went down to Garden, I remember my, uh, my buddy Cody, his dad, uh, drove us down. And it was a five-hour drive from Denver, where we're from, and he drove us down. I remember stepping out of the car when we first got in the garden, and I smelled the <laughs> air, and I smelled all the cow shit, and I was like, I'm never coming here. I'm never coming here. Sure enough, I spent three seasons, full seasons there. <laughs> and, uh, but... But yeah, I remember back when I first got to Garden, there was nothing like there is now. Like now, there's actually some some kind of couple things to do. But yeah, they got Applebee's. <laughs> no, Applebee's. old Chicago pizza, man. That's where yeah, it's at. Dude, what we did with the the normal for us was Applebee's or old Chicago, and then sometimes if we're feeling really hungry, we go to Golden Corral. Dude, there was another there was another pizza place. I can't it's so if you're on that main road, all I know is my host family lived on the road that the pizza place was on. But damn, it was like it was like a drive through pizza place, but it was so damn good. Was it uh Little Caesars? No, it wasn't Little Caesars. This was like a hole in the wall, like like locally owned kind of place. I can't oh, I don't know. It was a white building and it's right on the corner of the main drag and <laughs> I, I used to go eat there before the games when I was in with the the wind. Oh, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, place smacks, man! It's so good because it's like it's all freshly uh, made right there. Fresh made dough, fresh made ingredients. Place was so good, and I'm like, I'm a pizza bad. whore. I'm a hoe for pizza. <laughs> From JUCO, you go to Nebraska Kearney. How did how did that transition happen? Where you were getting recruited to go to Kearney, and then ultimately you know transferring to go to uh, Western Oklahoma. How does that whole how does all that transpire? I got one question though. You haven't answered it. Oh gosh. Did did you go to Hannah's Corner in Garden? I don't know what Hannah's Corner is. It's a really good hole in the wall restaurant. It's really good. Uh, I I didn't the go there. Best pancakes, the best breakfast, the best burgers, so good. Anyways, sorry, I might have. Is it by the? Was it by the Tyson factory? Yes, it's out, it was out off of Highway 84 and Mary, I think. It was kind of what? I mean, it's probably not there now, but there was a Walmart that was like right there. Was there a Walmart there close to it? Was it the neighborhood market? Yeah, the green one. Yep. yep, I ate there. there. I ate there with my parents. Nice. It's really, really freaking good. I wasn't impressed. Whatever, dude. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> so I did I did go to Hannah's Corner then. I went to Hannah's Corner. All right. All right, back on topic. Um, 
So yeah, getting recruited to Carney. Part of me wishes I would have waited a little bit longer and just waited till after the season to commit somewhere. Um, but I did make some meet some really cool people at Kearney. Uh, I will say that. But so with that, so I had a visit with two of my other teammates in it was like February, like right after our first two games. Because uh, Carney was only about oh four and a half hours away from Garden, and so me and the two teammates we drove up there um, for the visit, and we ended up did we stay the night? I think we stayed the night in a hotel. Yeah, we did. Uh, so they gave us a full full visit, everything, food. Um, uh, showed us the campus, everything. It was a pretty cool campus. Carney's actually kind of a decent town in the middle of Nebraska. Uh, so they gave us the full grand tour, and they offered all of us practically a full ride minus room and board. Um, so they, uh, it was our our starting catcher, our starting first baseman, and then me who started in right. Um, they wanted all three of us. Um, so. With that, I waited a little bit because I was like, well, it's only February. Like, I want to see what I could do this summer or this uh, spring. And um, things like, oh, March hits. I'm um, having a pretty decent year. And, yeah, it was, it was my best year at JUCO. So I was doing really well. And then Metro State called me and they offered me the same scholarship. And so – all of a sudden, I got really in my head about committing somewhere. And I was like, uh, I just, like, I was trying so hard to do well because I wanted to go D1. I wanted to, I wanted that because I was like, I want to go to play Division One baseball. That's what I want. Um, I did the JUCO route. Like, I want to go play D1, uh, which I should. I should have looked because I, I guess I had the, the chance to go see Emporia State, which is a really good Division Two, and I didn't take it. And I'm an idiot for that, but it is what it is. Um, so I ended up just getting in my head too much about it. I talked to my hitting coach about it, and he's like, "Well, look, dude, you have an offer. You have two offers. Most of those guys in there don't. So take it for what it is." Because it's your choice. Um, so I ended up committing to Carney like mid-April or whatever of 2016. And I, I look back and the rest, I mean, I don't know if it was maybe because I had like a lot of weight off my shoulders or what. But the rest of the year, I dominated. We got to the postseason. I dominated in the postseason. And uh, Finney told me that it was either Finney or one of the coaches told me that a, a few coaches from Division One's call about me, and I asked them why. I was like, "Oh, who?" And they wouldn't tell me. I was like, "Gosh, dang it!" So I should have waited. But, um, but yeah, that's how I kind of got. It, I mean, obviously, JUCO coaches talk and university coaches talk, so that's how they found out about me. Um, but yeah, Carney, I didn't. Not too much into that university life of, hey, let's go to some parties. Hey, I'm 21. Let's go to some bars. 
Like, I got too involved in that. Like, I got a girlfriend right away. I should have. I should have just kept focus on baseball, but I didn't. But I've, like, never experienced this before. So I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like <laughs> Big oh ladies, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of got caught up, caught, up, caught up in too much of that. Didn't work as hard as I should have. And ended up having not the greatest season. Actually, almost was ineligible uh, <laughs> grade-wise <laughs> for, the, for the spring. So I literally had to pretty much beg one of my teachers to like let me do the homework that I just didn't do. <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, I she let me finish the homework, so I finished that, and I was lucky enough to get over that 2.0 that semester. But golly, I almost... Uh, so I had I had to get suspended for four games because a uh, head coach he said he goes look he goes I appreciate you getting everything up and you're eligible now but I gotta do something so you're gonna be suspended for the first four games and of course the first four games are against Metro State at at, at Metro State which is in Denver where I'm from so I was like shit this sucks so. That sucked, but yeah, I ended up, we ended up playing, going to Art, no, to, you see, yeah, we going to Arkansas that next weekend, and I started, started off actually pretty good once I started playing, and then I just hit a rut once we got to UCCS in uh, Carl Springs, and didn't really see the field much after that, so I ended up getting, I think I only had like 18 at-bats that year. No, it was like maybe it was like twenty or just, I don't remember. It wasn't much. I, I ended up getting cut at the end of the year, um, which honestly I was thankful for. We weren't that good. The guys were cool, but we weren't that good. We were like fourteen and thirty-six or something like that. It was not very good. Um, and then Southwest, Southwest Oklahoma State. It's a freaking mouthful every single time I say it. Um, I remember uh, before, so we were, I was still in season with uh, Carney, and I had this hunch that I wasn't going to be there that next year. And I remember I talked to one of my buddies, uh, Brendan, who I played a garden with. He was at Southwest Oklahoma at that, because him and I were the same year, and I kind of messaged him. I was like, hey, man, do you guys think you need some right fielders? And he goes, honestly, or outfielders. I goes, honestly, yeah, probably. So he talked to Sondi, Coach Saunders, the head coach at Swasu, and said, Sondi said, yeah, give him, have him give me a call. Because I, since due to NCAA rules, I had to call Sondi. Yeah. He couldn't call me unless I got my full release. So the weekend before our last, or the, sorry, the week before our last weekend series of the year, um, I called Sandy, told him the situation, and he goes, well, let me know what happens in the exit meeting, and then we can go from there. And so the exit meeting, obviously, I get cut, so I called Sandy right away, uh, and he goes, okay, sounds good, like, hey, we'll, let's get the paperwork rolling right now. Within two days, I was signed to go to another Division two. So... So it was like just like that. So, so that's also the good thing about knowing people is they'll help you out. If, they, if you're good, 
And net- networking sure. is huge in baseball. Huge. I mean, it's huge in life, obviously, but if. the more people you know in baseball, and I talked about this on that Welcome Back episode I, was, I referred to, but, and you guys can attest to this, that more people you know, it becomes a point that it doesn't necessarily matter really what your numbers are. Because if you know somebody and they know the right people, they can get you an opportunity despite what your numbers are. And then when you get that opportunity, it's your shot to show like, hey, these numbers aren't fully who I am. And mm-hmm. that's that's huge in baseball. That if you got those guys that continue opening doors for you, that you could continue getting one more shot. And that you never know when that one more shot is going to be, you know, what helps you stick or, you know, maybe be the shot that propels you forward and puts you in the big leagues. Because at the end of the day, that's the – that is the goal, you know, that, that we are playing for. Right. But, yeah, exactly. Like, like if, I, if, if, if I didn't know or if Pete – I mean, shoot, we actually had a lot of garden guys go to that – to Southwest. I, I look back. <laughs> but, yeah, but if, like, none of the garden guys that I played with went to Southwestern, I probably wouldn't have been in Southwestern. I'm definitely not. Probably would have been somewhere else. So – and so I think yeah. I think this is the cool thing about indie ball too, is now listening to your story, which you know we all talked about our stories last summer when we were together. But listening to it again, it just makes you realize just how much freaking adversity you have to go through, and how that adversity is the best thing that that's ever going to happen to you. And in the moment, you're like, "Fuck, this is." This is terrible. My career is over. I'm, I'm failing. I suck. You know, every negative emotion goes through your mind. But when you can learn how to channel that energy, that negative energy, that anger, that adversity, and use it to fuel you, man, that shit sets you up for, for way beyond just that immediate moment. You know, I like I said, referencing earlier about TJC, being a blessing in disguise, I don't think if I would have not had redshirted, I don't think I ever would have went to to play Division One. I. I don't think I would have really played professionally. I, I think that it would have changed the whole course of my career because I wasn't ready at that point. And so now here in your same adversity, you know, struggling to get to JUCO, and then from JUCO you get to Kearney, you, you have adversity at Kearney with playing time, getting on the field, um, the grades aspect just adjusting the college life and then you get another opportunity at southwestern now you ball out and now doors is getting into independent baseball open up like that's what guys that are listening to the podcast got to understand man adversity is going to be the best thing that's ever going to happen to you as much as it sucks you got to learn how to grind through it because that's what's going to push you forward and that's where that failure man you you can learn from that failure that's where the success is Mm -hmm. 100%. 100%. And kids want, with everything these days, people want the, the now, like everything now, now, now. Oh, yeah. Instant gratification, man. That's the that's the name of the society. And it's just not how it works in the game of baseball. I mean, that's what, I mean, I love baseball because it's just, it's a metaphor for life. Like, you're going to go through tough shit. You're going to, you're going to fail. Like, but it's like, okay, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to, be a bitch and cry and freaking roll up into a ball or are you going to be like, yeah, whatever. 
Like, let's keep going. Exactly. You're going to have me channeling my inner uh, Andy Frisella here in a second. You're going to get me all hyped up. <laughs> I love Andy. Once you, well, you get to Southwestern, now the independent opportunities opened up. How did you get to Monterey? Because, or and even going to Monterey, did you know anything about the Pecos going into it? Like, what, what, what were you expecting? And what did you get? <laughs> That's the question. <laughs> so, I didn't have any independent opportunities at all out of college. Um, so, I had to find them myself. Uh, which is fine. I mean, um, that's how my life was. I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to just have to find this on my own, which is fine. I don't care. It was, it was fun. It, it, it makes part of a good journey. Um, so I remember once I got done playing at Southwestern, I went up to Canada to play because they allowed seniors in that w, the Western Major Baseball League. Yeah, I've heard about that. I heard that's actually pretty yeah. legit. It's pretty legit. It's a lot of fun. I I enjoyed my time up in Dude, Canada. Canada, can, Canada, and a normal world when all this shit's not going on. Let me tell you, you ask Justin Cortez's how much how much of a fan I am of Canada. Big fan of Canada. Huge oh. huge Canada guy. Huge Canada guy. So I ended up going up there to to play for the summer because I was like, well, it's an opportunity. Might as well just go keep playing and see what happens. And then there was this professional tryout for the Frontier League. Oh, it was middle of June in Indiana for Juliet, uh, Evansville, and another team. I can't remember the other team name uh, who was there. So I actually drove from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, all the way down to Indiana for the tryout. And then, obviously, I didn't make the team, or I didn't make any team, so I drove right back up, which is what, oh, gosh, that was at least 25 hours. Holy shit. One way, or 20 hours one way, something like that. I think it was 20 hours one way. It was so ridiculous. It's a long drive. But that nothing happened from that. Um, but that was, like, my first taste of, like, an independent actual, like, tryout. Where they're just a waste of time. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you're uh, saying that if anybody wants to try out for professional baseball, don't go to an independent baseball tryout. It's such a waste of time. <laughs> Unless you throw 95, it's just a waste of time. Honestly, though, like that is that's the truth, man. Like, and I didn't I didn't even realize that my first year in any ball. Like, it's probably it took me probably. It probably took me like a year and a half to realize that, and I just stopped doing it. But like, you go to these tryouts, and I remember telling me this when, because you know, was doing these workouts up in up in um up in, Dallas, and he's like, yeah, like most of the time when we have these tryouts, we know who's coming, so we already know. Like we've talked to people, we know who we want, we know what our team needs, and especially the tryouts in the middle of the season, our team like. If we're doing good, we don't need players. We're not we're not trying to have turnover. What we're looking for is a needle in the haystack, a guy that's like so damn good that's just sitting around and got passed over, which like you just said, only guy like that that's making a difference is a guy that's throwing ninety five or your guy that's fast as shit that's running like a six one sixty. That's just yeah. you need, you know, 
And really, any guy that's getting signed out of there, especially midseason, coming in to be a to really to fill a role. You're going to be a back end bullpen guy. You'll be pinch runner, uh, defensive replacement. Because more than likely, most scenarios, you're going to have a, a starting lineup that's already set. Once again, this depends on how the what the state of the team is. But you know, I get like messages all the time, like, "Dude, should I go to this tryout? Should I go to that tryout?" And I get I get the same messages from people, you know, messaging me like, "Hey, we have tryouts here." I'm just like, "Man, like, this is such a it's it's like I get why you have to do it." And yeah. you know, as a player, it's good. It's it's always good as a player to get in front of as many eyes as you can. But at the same time, you got to understand when the money is being invested in a smart way and when you're just throwing it away. And a lot of times, if you've got to fork out hundreds of dollars to go to tryouts all across town, man, like, this is why I'm such a big fan of Joe and what Joe does. Because I think he completely changed the game for getting opportunities to guys instead of just logging your way around town, around the country, going to tryouts randomly that you don't even know what you know you don't have no relationship with with any of these coaches right exactly and like joe does a really good job with that and he really did change it change the game for a lot of guys like he has signed he has helped sign so many guys to every league and it's it's awesome and it's way better than going to a stupid well, tryout let's you know you're just we like, have a we have a perfect example sitting right here with us because when I mean, you look at Pete's situation, like, you know, having PJ around for the last, whatever, two or three years that me and Pete have been a part of part of Joe's Joe's organization. And so, you know, PJ's seen Pete now. He's seen how he's developed. He knows who Pete is as a person. He saw Pete play for his team last year in the Yenzer League. And then, you know, this year he's losing guys for, what was it, the Olympics, right, Pete? I think he's going to sleep Hold on us. On. One second. <laughs> Where'd he go? There, there he is. is. He's back. <laughs> Lights are turning off. But he was. Uh, yeah, he was losing guys for the Olympics, right? Possibly. That was yeah. That was in the beginning. Uh, spring training. Yeah. So you know, There's you know, and that's one of those things. At that point, like us, Pete was going to go to the Yenzer. And Joe says, hey, you know, PJ's looking for a guy. Go down there. And Pete, didn't PJ tell you that you were just going to be a bullpen catcher? And then now that's wound up being you're the you're the backup catcher getting ABs, you know, and you've hung around for 100-plus games. Like, it's it's just – that's the Joe Torrey experience right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, essentially I got told on my way down there, like, I just need – I just need to – come help catch bullpens and you know do some of the dirty work but you know you never know you might come in potentially when when a, a backup spot or when a just a roster roster spot and you know that's what i did so so back back to monterey brooks i cut you off but back to that monterey, a- monterey experience the pecos the whole thing to do with it i, I gotta hear it because you too. You did something really cool. You brought the camper. You you got a camper to live out of, which takes away some of the the you know added stress that we have to deal with, especially down at the lower levels. So I just want to hear about the whole experience of Monterey because you know Monterey is where I spent my first year, 
and they operated Monterey differently than when you were there because we could only be in Monterey on the weekends. That's the only time we had access to the field. And so we were there Saturday nights, Sunday nights, and then we'd go to a different park on Mondays, and then we'd be on the road Tuesday to Friday. But Monterey, man, as a city, like, it was beautiful. The weather was nice. Just, I hate California, but that was my favorite part about California is Monterey. Oh, yeah. Monterey. I didn't even realize I was going to end up in freaking Monterey, California. I was, I was trying actually really hard to get into the, into the Pacific Association. So I went, I ended up going out to California to go to Sonoma Stompers tryout. And I did really well. And I didn't get a spring training invite or anything, which is was just fine, whatever. So I ended up getting a spring training invite to uh, San Rafael Pacifics. And I think after like two days, it was a really short, it's only a, it was only a four day spring training. Um, after two days, I got, I got released. This was kind of, this is kind of funny. Um, I remember after those first two days, uh, I did fine. I didn't do anything wrong, but they pretty much had the roster set and they were just there to get money from me. And that's what I came to realize. And so, Oh, what's his name? Um, he was a Monterey guy, big, big Pecos guy, long hair. Oh, what's his name? Chuck Rocker. Oh, Chuck Rocker. <laughs> Good old Chuck Rocker. Sorry, Chuck. I couldn't remember your name. For a I play. I played with Chuck. <laughs> Chuck was on my team in Monterey. I love Chuck. Chuck's the man. Chuck's a great oh, guy, dude. Good old Chuck Rocker. I feel like so everybody's Chuck- played with him at one point. <laughs> at least. So Dunn had Chuck as the player manager for the Salina Stockade in the Pacific. And Chuck wanted me on Salina, but he, but Dunn wouldn't let him because I wasn't a former Pecos guy yet or whatever. Um, and so I remember Chuck told me before day three of spring training, that was the day I was going to get cut. Um, he said, hey, just so you know, I talked to the manager and the GM last night for San Raf. You're not going to make it. So come down with me to Monterey tomorrow. My man Sip, who's the manager for Monterey, is having a tryout. Come down with me because i got to be there too and see if there's any extra guys for Salina and see if we can get you on Monterey. And I was like, okay. And so I go down there, try out, and do really well. Uh, Sip really likes me, but he already had his roster set for opening day. So he had to wait, and so he asked me, he was, where are you going to be? I said, I'm going to be in the Bay Area. So, like, if you need a guy, I'm here. And so I waited in the Bay Area for about 10 days. Chuck was really nice and let me uh, hit with Salina during BP and stuff uh, before the games, and I was able to just hang out with those guys, so I didn't feel like I was just, like, a total loser hanging out in the freaking Bay of California. And so, so yeah, so I, so Chuck let me do that, which is awesome. And then I remember one day, it was an off day for Salina, it's a Friday, and like you said, Monterey could only play on the weekends because that's when they only could get the field. In the same case with them. So I saw that they were home, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go show face. Like, I got nothing else to do this weekend. I'm going to go show face. 
and see what happens. And so I drove the two and a half hours south to Monterey and showed up to the game because Aaron Cook, one of my buddies who played for Monterey, mm-hmm. was like, hey, we, like, we're going to need another position player. Like, you should, you should come down here. That's when I decided I was going to go and show up. So I went down there. I showed face, talked to Sip a little bit. He was kind of giving me the little run around about it. I, I knew he wanted to, to say yes, but he couldn't. I could just tell. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So I got a hotel. Next day rolls around. Uh, Sip kind of gives me a little run around again at the game. It was fine. I was like, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, Sip, don't worry. Uh-huh, I understand. <laughs> and, and then the next day, he he goes, maybe he told me, he's like, screw it. Yep, you're on the team. Because <laughs> they needed a guy. He, he finally was like, yep. And so I ended up signing. So, yeah, that's how I kind of got onto Monterey. And, gosh, I remember Monterey just absolutely perfect. Dug out, you can see the ocean. Like, oh, beautiful. Like, this, is awesome. this is like the coolest baseball field in like pro ball, 100%. And our, the next day, we had to play at Bakersfield. And I get there, and it's like 100 degrees. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> There's almost people outside the stadium. <laughs> Good old Sam Lynn ballpark, baby. There's literally not a thing of shade besides a little canopy behind our dugout. That's our locker room. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because at that time, dude. So, my first year when I was in Monterey, Sam Lynn was beautiful. Like, just got out of affiliated ball. It had been taken care of. It was so nice. We were on the... We were on the third base side, so we had access to the third base locker room. And it was nice. Like, it was clean. And the field service was nice. Uh, High Desert was the same way because they just got out of being affiliated with the Rangers at that time. Beautiful stadium. They had a grounds crew, took care of it. Freaking, I come back to next year, and Pete knows because he was in Bakersfield. We go to use the locker room, and there's a quarantine sign on the outside of the door of the locker room because the locker room was so disgusting from not only players not taking care of it, but I guess like the AC had broke, the insulation or the the uh, the uh, pipe ba- bathroom piping it was mixed mixed. Oh, yeah. The plumbing was messed up, and then you had homeless people living in the damn locker room. So we show up to play the damn game, you know, thinking okay we're gonna get here like three hours early. We'll hang out in the locker room, go BP, come back and chill. And there's quarantine signs on the door saying keep out. And we literally had to stand out in the out in the freaking 100 degree heat three hours before a game. And I know people are probably like, dude, like you're bitching about heat. But like that, that heat out there is different, especially when you're about trying to get ready to play a game. And then you got to play a game. And then just the whole Pecos grind in general. And dude, it was like the biggest, like that's when I realized what indie ball was all about. Like. There's nothing glamorous about professional baseball, no matter what level what level you're at, unless you're in Double A or Triple A, and that's it's it's the truth. Hundred percent, that is the truth. 
I mean, I will, I'm sure Pete can attest to it because he's with Lexington, and they just got out affiliated, so it's probably pretty nice right now. Can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> so how long in Indie Ball did it take you to kind of realize what direction you need to go and then end up linking with Joe Torrey? Like, how did that all come about? Because, you know, I met you, I guess that was, well, I met you our COVID year in Florida, I think. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, at that point, I'd already gone to Florida twice with Joe. And so, you know, I thought Florida was probably one of the coolest things in Indy Ball. I, I loved it. I loved the way Joe sets it up because, you know, we get to go down there. And, you know, Joe gets down there January 1st. But, you know, all the guys don't really get there till the end of February and stay all the way for the Road Warrior Tour, which those that don't know, this is where Joe, this guy Joe Torrey takes – all the indie ball guys splits them out across the country and they play spring training games against all the uh, um, independent teams. And it's a way to get guys, not only innings, but get them looked at, get them exposure or you're getting live games against all these teams and like guys get picked up left and right out of these games. And so, you know, you go down to Florida with Joe and you play, not only do you play every day, but it's all on your own schedule. So if you got to go down there and work, you can work. If you want to go out there and play every day, you can play every day. If you want to take a day off, take a day off. It's completely up to you. But he does something that, like like we said, has completely changed the landscape of indie ball. And it led to the Yenzer League, which we're about to get into. But I just I want to know how you got linked up with him. Because for me and my, my personal experience, I really wish I would have been with Joe from day one when I went to Monterey. Because I feel like he could have – he – he could have taken that year and a half where I spent twiddling my thumbs with my head in the sand, not knowing which direction to go. He could have gave me a lot more guidance of what I needed to do to, to advance. And I might have been able to advance a little bit quicker than what I ultimately did. Yeah, so uh, so I met Joe at the Frontier tryout back uh, before I even went to Monterey. So that offseason, I trained at Driveline for about four months and because I needed to figure something out. And so I trained at driveline for four months. And then right after that, me and my buddy who uh, trained at driveline, he just, he got done that last season playing for, uh, Oh, who is it? Oh, windy city. And so him and I, we drove uh, to Denver cause I had to drop off my dog cause my dog was with me. Say hi, Chance. <laughs> He's sleeping. He, he had a long walk today. He's a tired pup. Um, but uh, so we had to drive to Denver first, and then we went to the Frontier workout. And I, so I met Joe at the Frontier workout, and he said, you should come on the tour with us. And I was like, I don't have the money for that. <laughs> and our, Eric Downey. And but yeah, he wanted me to go on the tour with him right away, and I was just like, I don't have the money for that, because um, that was like a huge commitment, money wise, uh, always is. But um, so when so I came back home uh, to date, I made day two at the Frontier workout, but didn't get drafted. So I came home and was kind of just chilling for two weeks, still training, getting ready for the Sonoma workout. I'm driving out to the Sonoma workout and we get an email from Sonoma saying hey just so you know because of rain our tryouts are 
or tryout days are getting split up into a week. So it's going to be this Saturday and next Saturday. And I was just like, what the hell am I going to do for a week? And so I ended up calling up Joe right then and there. I think I was in like, I just got past or almost to Sacramento. And uh, I called Joe and I was like, hey, man, I'm like on the way out. Like, I'm down to play for the Black Sox uh, for the tour part out here. Uh, and he was awesome. Sounds great. Um, just send me like whatever the deposit was, like 250 or something like that. And we can get you going. And of course, that whole uh, that week in between tryouts um, try, or tryout days, it rained. So we only got like one game in. So that's how I kind of met Joe. Um, and then after that, obviously, the whole uh, Salina, Monterey thing happens and the San Raf and all that, whatever. Then I went on to play with Monterey that season. Then after the season, uh, Joe had me and another guy come up to, uh, what was it, Vallejo? Yeah, Vallejo for a workout with, like, PJ and some other guys um, just to see if, because that last month, the, or the Pacific was still going. Um, so I ended up, got an offer from Salina, but I would have to find my own living and make my own food, all that other stuff. I really didn't have the money for that. I was kind of hoping to get on like Sonoma or Vallejo or something and at least get a little bit of something. So I ended up just going home after that. And then, yeah, that next, uh, the next, what, March of 2020 went down to Florida <laughs> Good old Florida NWO camp. That was a that was a really that was a, that was a, like a really good like squad that we had because there was a lot of good players that year that were still playing. And then obviously COVID hit, and so everyone freaking was had zero clue what was going on. And the majority of guys just went back home because we're like, well, our state border's going to close. Like we can't. Like shit, we can't do. We can't just stay here in Florida. And I, I actually, I ended up living leaving for that reason because mm. I was I was living with Pete and Justin, and Pete had just left when all that stuff happened, and it was just me and Justin yeah. left. We were like in the house for like one more week. I was supposed to leave like I think like the twenty seventh of March, oh. and I remember this, the the lockdown or the you know the COVID stuff happened. And we were getting kicked off the field at Santa Lucia's. And at that time, because I had had our Jeep rented, and so I was like, I remember, like, texting my dad, like, yo, I might have to just drive home. I was like, I'm reading all this stuff online about how Florida might close the border. Like, well, everyone, but, like, Florida might close the border, go into martial law, like, all this crap. And I'm like, not that I'm scared of that, but it's like, Considering I'm living living out of an Airbnb that expires in a week, I don't have any money. My rental car is about to be up. Like it's just not a very good situation for me to get stuck here as shit just does hit the fan because I'm not gonna have anywhere to go. And remember the next day we go out for uh, you know to play. We we're gonna try to get one more game in. And I remember Joe had found this high school that was right down the road from Santa Lucia's, and we're like, okay. Well, we're just going to play at this high school. And we, like, hopped the fence and everything. We weren't supposed to be there. And some mom, like, a mom saw us there and called and reported us. We were, like, an inning into the game. And 
she called and reported us, and you know Joe ended up get, getting kicked off the field. And that was kind of when that whole thing happened where he was, like, up in the air, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Y'all can go home if you need to, but it's probably best if you stay here. Like, that way we can keep training. And, you know, that's when all the shit hit the fan. And I ended up leaving that same day that we got kicked off that field and got back to Houston. And, uh, you know, didn't didn't end up seeing Joe until until he came to Houston for the, the summer camp. Remember that little summer camp? Yeah, I went to that. Yeah, because that's where that's where I met you. Because I remember pulling up, and you know this is out in the middle of Katy, which is like it hasn't been developed yet. And I love Katy. Oh, I know you love Katy. <laughs> and so I pull, I pull, I pull up to, you know, this field, which is just out in an open field that's that's you know, society hasn't reached yet for development and I literally just see a camper and your truck and I didn't know I didn't like I knew who you were but I didn't know who who you were at the same time it was like we had just met in Florida and I was like oh shit that's that Brooks guy he's living out of a camper and then you know you and like you end up walking up and like you were one of the few people I knew that was that was down there so we ended up hitting it off and the rest is history but you know that was that was kind of the start of all of it mm-hmm. that actually was a what led into us going up to PA for, for you know the Yenzer League? Because at that time, this is like June, and we didn't know if indie ball was going to happen. And yeah, no idea. Yeah, and so Joe was like, "Well, we just we're going to be down here so we can play, so you know we can stay in shape. You guys can keep getting looks. I mean, he was bringing Gary down there to look at guys. He had Florence down there looking at guys. He had PJ out there, which obviously PJ is more than just a manager. His brother's freaking Brandon Phillips. He has connections." all across the game like you know so he makes one call and you can you can get somewhere and so we still had eyes on us every day we were able to play stay in shape and then we started getting those rumblings that well the frontier league's trying to play we're, they're gonna have a hub league and joe might be getting into it which that like once again this is one of those things where it's like it's a blessing in disguise for joe that he was able to do that because now this has changed you know the black Sox as a whole um you know, because he was able to have the Yenzer this year, but we we were able to have the Yenzer last year. I want to know what you were expecting going into it. Um, you know, like I mentioned, you had the campers. So like you, I think you have a pretty cool story because you're like you're like that guy from the Tigers, um, Daniel Daniel Norris. Is that I think that's his name? Or he lives like out of a van in the off season? Like, yeah. You have a freaking. You're right. That, am I right, Pete? Yeah, you got the right name. Yeah, that's what I thought I did. And, um, you know, you're like this guy, driving in an F-150, you know, living the indie ball life where you have to drive miles across the country to begin with, like that, that comes with the territory. So you drive all the way down to Houston from, from Florida, drive from Houston, you go on the tour, you go to Milwaukee, and then y'all, did y'all go to Chicago after that? Was that right? Or? Oh, uh, we were supposed to, and then I got banged. Yeah, you got, you got banged. But anyway, so then you go... All the way across the the Midwest to Washington, PA, and you set up your camper in the Wild Things parking lot, and I just it's it's you had such a cool setup, man. I love it. It was a cool. It was a really cool setup. I just wish I had a bigger truck for it. It'd be nice if you would have had a shower too. Yeah, the shower would have been nice. I had an outdoor shower, but. 
Um, if I had to do that again, hundred percent, I'm getting a pull behind camper. I'm not doing the truck. <laughs> they're dude. They're, it's just so tiny. Like so. Like this year in Florida, I brought Chance with me, and God bless that poor dog. Like we were both cramped in this little camper in Florida for three weeks, and oh, it was just too small. Like I like last summer, it was fine. I made it work, but. When it was when it was just me and Chance, like another body, like it was so tiny. So yeah, if I do it again, I would uh, do it with a pull behind camper that at least twenty feet or longer. So, but yeah, dude, it was a. I I was lucky and had some family that helped me out with the camper, which is awesome. Um, I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I got. To like be in that random field in Katy, Texas, and sleeping there, uh, it, was, it was kind of funny because the guy, the guy who let me, the guy who runs the place, lived out of his van at the field, and so he's got he had his like three dogs, and they're they're really good dogs. Um, but yeah, it was it was awesome, like just being able to just be out there in the middle of Texas and not have a worry in the world, just have to wake up and play baseball the next day. Like hell yeah, let's do it. And you're um, you're already on the field too, to begin with. Yeah, I didn't have to go anywhere, which is awesome. Uh, I remember Joe would be texting me like, because it rained a few few days we were there. And Joe would text me like, "Hey, how's the field?" And I sent him a t- I had to send him a picture of the field. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, but yeah, and then we drove up to we first drove up to Dallas because we did a little workout at. Um, What's his face's facility? Yeah, at, at cover all bases with with Florence and Pelf. Yeah, with yeah. Florence. Yeah, yeah, that place. So we we uh, had a little workout there, um, and then we yeah we drove up to Milwaukee after that to play two games against the Milkmen for the for our like uh, clo- or a condensed tour. Um, so that was fun playing Milwaukee. I think we were like the first like professional game being played that that summer yeah y'all were the first pro game back in all sports mm-hmm. yeah so so that was pretty cool um and they were supposed to play chicago dogs but they banged it because of some covid reason i can't remember what it was but it kind of sucks because i was really looking forward to playing at the dogs field um but yeah then we uh drove all the way to Go to Washington, Pennsylvania right after that. And started the Yinzer. The Yins, baby. What'd you what'd you think about the Yinzer? It was interesting. Like it was <laughs> I'm happy that we had it because we got to play ball. Um but when you were on the on one of the two rosters it sucked because you felt like you couldn't do anything that we did. Yeah. So I door I ended up door dashing a lot when those cup those like couple weekends I wasn't on the big roster. Oh, we're gonna I get into that. Like, so, dude, honestly, I think so. For those that don't know, the Yenzer was a it was like a hub league. So it was the Washington Wild Things of the Frontier League who were hosting the league at their stadium. And they had a second team called the Slam and Sammies, which was basically it was going to be one of their promotional nights. And they took all the guys they were bringing in for spring training and they put them on this roster. And then 
there was the two Black Sox teams that were there by Joe Torre. So you had the team that was PJ's team, that was all Black Sox guys, plus Brandon Phillips, which is that that's to me like that's that's been the highlight of my career. And then there was Joe Torre's team that was managed by Sip and Joe Torre, that was a bunch of Black Sox guys as well. And we would only play Thursday through Sunday. Well, then Joe also had the same NWO camp, which NWO is nothing other than just basically, it's just uh, just another verbiage for our teams. And it's like a you know competition camp is what they refer to it as. Is You're always competing with each other to take each other's jobs and try to move up the ranks of, of the Black Sox in general. And so they had the NWO games that would go on seven days a week in the mornings at the field. And the NWO guys were the rest of the Black Sox organization, which y'all got to understand the Black Sox has probably over 200 guys, you know, plus, and Joe's constantly adding. These are guys all across the country that are trying to get their foot in indie ball. So all these young guys, you know, rookies, one-year guys that were in the NWO that played in the morning that were trying to take the guys that were in the actual Yenzer League's job. And it was cool for us that you know like when we were in the yinzer we were able to go down and get extra at bats extra work with the nwo guys but and then still be able to play in the yinzer at the same time i think full time i think if indie ball went to that kind of a landscape where they kept everything at a hub stadium i feel like indie ball could be such a better product because i think for us just the way the money aspect works and the amount of revenue they bring in for each team I feel like you lose so much money expenses-wise with the amount of travel we have to do, and it's it's not convenient travel for us. So I think if you if they could rewire, rework the indie ball system and just all go to hub stadiums, would put you know four teams in a stadium, or maybe even you have hub stadiums and maybe just limit travel to like cities that are an hour, two, three away that you can just make real quick in a day. I feel like the indie ball landscape would be just so much better. And I think that was one of my, the things I liked most about playing in Washington. Because like you said, you DoorDash, you know, when you weren't playing. I did too. You know, I, I did DoorDash all hours of the day. And it was nice because I was able to make an income while I was up there playing. And I made a good amount of money. Like, I was, you know, DoorDash was hot in Washington. Especially with COVID, people weren't, weren't, weren't wanting to get out of their house. And, you know, that was really... Like, if I was able to do that in any other league, that like, that helps you survive. It helps you play. Um, unfortunately, a lot of that money was spent at the casino with Mr. Pete over here because we went to the casino too damn much because the casino was literally walking distance from our hotel. I only got yelled at at Pete by Pete's girlfriend only a handful of times. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't forget the, uh, don't forget the garbage lady. Or the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Pete, you got to tell that story. Yes, I remember that. Oh, yes, because you were sitting at that slot machine. I had just lost all my money, and I walked up behind you. Oh, I, I, please tell the story, because I remember it, but I do not fully remember it. I forget where. Oh, it was the roulette machine. Yeah, you were so playing the roulette had, machine. Like, he had like $1 left or, or something like that. And yeah, I had a dollar left. Because was... Pete, dude, I walk up. And Pete, like, tells me, like, yeah, I have, like, five bucks, ten bucks or whatever. I'm just going to play roulette. You know, because it's going to last a long time. 
Pete gets up on roulette, and I I get done playing with my machine, losing my ass off. I walk over to Pete's machine, and this dude's up like $150 or something like that. I'm like, what is going on? So I had this $1, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to turn. I'm just about to do what Pete did. I'm about to multiply it. Pete, the rest is, the floor is yours. <laughs> so, he, so he puts his dollar in. I forget. He color or something. And it was, it was the other. It was the other color that he didn't pick. <laughs> anyway, he loses that dollar. He gets up from his chair and he just yells out like, "I, I effing hate this place." <laughs> Walks away and there's this lady that works for the casino and she was like picking up the trash or whatever and was right there and overheard him. <laughs> and all I heard her mumble was, "Yeah, me too." <laughs> <laughs> but dude like every time I went to, I've never like I'm 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 a fairly good gambler and that was the first casino I've ever like just here's money and I'm gonna take it from you and I'm not giving you nothing back like I lost my ass off and for whatever reason I kept going thinking I was gonna make my money back and dude I just I had it with that machine and it was hilarious man like this lady under her breast is like complaining about how much she hated her job it was it was hysterical <laughs> brooks we're almost we're almost ready to wrap up but i do i do want to talk about like the whole money situation the doordash thing because i don't think people actually realize like what it takes for us to play um you know you were doordash enough in pa i doordashed you know how much does that help you be able to continue playing and now like you referenced at the beginning of the podcast, you know, that comes into that becomes a factor now that you're deciding to hang it up. Oh man. You know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are days that like, I was like mad that I wasn't on the, the weekend roster, but I was also, also thankful because I, I knew I could Dash and make a lot of money and be okay. So yeah, I mean, DoorDash helps us a lot, especially out there, um, just anywhere in general. Like like Florida, I would have to DoorDash. Um, I didn't DoorDash in Monterey. I could have, but I didn't. But, yeah, Florida and Washington mainly I DoorDashed. Um, I even did it in the off season too, because I was like, well, I got nothing else to do. I might as well make some money. So that's what I did. It just DoorDashed a little bit. But, yeah, it's – it's hard, man. Like, it's for every single player. Unless you're a bonus baby, like you're, you're probably struggling money wise, and you're most likely losing money doing it. So, you know, it's, it was, it's it was always funny too when when we would leave to go DoorDash, and like Washington's such a small place, and yeah. literally like me and you pass each other like four or five times. Every single time, and we knew it too. We were sitting there honking at each other. I think one time we were even picking up food from the same restaurant, like two different yeah. orders, but literally pulling up at the same time. Like, and you had that blue truck, the blue F one fifty. So like, I you stuck out like a sore thumb. I always knew where I was going to see you. You know, Colorado oh, yeah. license plate. Just it was easy to find you. Oh yeah. And Good then, nice. and then we end the night by you coming over to the to the hotel because you got to take a shower. So you use me and Pete's shower. You keep Pete up yep. all night, like you know. You you make Pete go get us Wendy's, just dude. <laughs> we all wanted Wendy's. What are you talking about? <laughs> dude, we literally had Wendy's every night. 
<laughs> what a time to be alive. Oh, man. All right. Oh, God. I just have one more topic before we wrap up. You're a big driveline guy. I want to yeah. talk about driveline because, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't, I don't know anything about driveline, so I can't even, like, relate, comment. But I do know that when it comes to analytics, I'm not the biggest fan of analytics. I do. I think they are important. I think they have a place in baseball. But I think the current state of baseball that we have been in where analytics have controlled the game, I hate it. I think there's got to be a fine balance of where analytics come into play, but also you got to be not only just be a baseball, like have some feel, but go off what a guy can can physically do because baseball is such just a, a feel game. And I know you're a big driveline guy, and driveline has blown up over the last you know few years. And um, I just want to I, I just want to hear your thoughts on it, your your thoughts on the philosophy, everything that goes into it. Because I know you're a big fan of them, and you know you've trained there, and you've you're still wearing the shirt that you wore last summer. So driveline, baby. <laughs> but. <laughs> I, I still work for Driveline, so I do their uh, youth online training, um, which I enjoy. It's it's a good time, um, but but yeah, like so I went out to Driveline because I started following Jason Ochart um, and Kyle Bodie on Twitter back my junior year of college, and I always just enjoyed what they had to say about the game because I one thing I do miss about baseball Twitter is that point between, like, 2017 and 2019 where baseball Twitter was on just fire. Everyone was posting great stuff. I mean, people would argue, yeah, whatever, but there's so much good information out there that it's like, wow, like, this is a free resource. And now baseball Twitter is a freaking dumpster. That's a whole other story. Um, but, like, I really enjoyed what Jason had to say. And so I, w- I knew once I left Carney that I had to change something. Um, so I went back home and I worked with um, the guy who, had, who my, one of my good friends, his dad, who used to coach at the high school that I went to. His name is Steve Eaton. I worked with him a little bit on some things uh, because he was starting to get into the newer stuff. So I him a little bit. Um, and then after a while, I decided, I was like, well, I want to be in a kind of an atmosphere where I'm around pro guys all the time. New driveline would, could be that place. So I was like, you know what? Like, why not? Let's go check it out for myself and see. So I drove up to Seattle uh, October 2018 for a week and checked out driveline, did an assessment, did everything. I love it. Absolutely loved it. Um, so I, re- so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go back home get some time in order and come back here for the off season. And it was, I got back there January like 6th or something like that of 2019. Um, so I was there for about three and a half, four months. Uh, and I do, I absolutely love their philosophy. One thing I do like about driveline is, it's always trial and error. So they'll do, they will try something. And if they know it's like, we shouldn't do this or this doesn't work, they'll throw it away. They'll experiment with something else, which is awesome. 
And one thing I really do like about Driveline is it went from such a analytic and like they're super analytic, obviously, but it started getting that like baseball feel to it too over the years. So it got the it got that mixture between having that baseball feel and having that analytics, and that's where it where it's at now. So it's it's really in that middle portion now way more than it was at the beginning, which is awesome because I really do think that there needs to be a fine line. There needs to be uh, just a middle point where both old school, new school can meet and just like get along for one because Twitter, baseball Twitter is a dumpster fire. And two, just agree to disagree and still be able to apply both. Um, You just like every hitter is different. At the end of the and that's and that's that's my thing. Everybody is different, mm-hmm. and so you gotta like, like for me, like if I went to driveline, for me, I don't feel like it's gonna do anything because I'm not a power hitter. I'm five nine, and freaking well, I'm two hundred pounds now. I'm a freaking beast, but playing weight, I'm like one eighty five. You know, so like, I don't project to hit double digit home runs like some guys. So, and I think that was always maybe my. Once again, like I said, I didn't really understand driveline, but from the outside perspective, was kind of my complaint because like I look at the big leagues and I just I, I hate the product that's there because you have guys that strike out 200, 250 times a year and they're getting paid for it, and that has trickled down now all the way to indie ball, and this is kind of where I get frustrated because it's like guys that get in the bigs and they have high on base percentage, hit for high average, can hit doubles, score a lot of runs. And they're not getting recognized. And now in indie ball, you know, that was the kind of player I was. And I felt like, you know, in, in some cases, in a way, it did affect me as far as getting jobs because everybody wants to see these power number numbers because, you know, in pro ball that or in affiliated ball, that's what they're looking for. They're just looking for guys that can drop bombs. They don't care about strikeouts. Like, no, striking outs, being able to put bat to ball and produce good plate appearances is is – that's what baseball is about. And if you can't do that thing, those things as a hitter, you're not going to be very successful. Oh, 100%. And I think that's that's one thing that Driveline realized throughout the years is because uh, it really was about power, power, power. And it, it just, it's like slowly, like, yeah, we're going to train, they're still going to train power, but obviously, or train power, train bat speed, they're still going to do that stuff. But, Let's still be a really good hitter. Yeah. At the same at the same time, and I think that's that gets lost because I remember uh, when I was uh, hanging out with Salina uh, for a couple days, people were talking about driveline, and I asked them, I was like, "Have you ever been to driveline?" And they're like, "Well, no." I was like, "Okay, well then you don't really know what we're actually doing up there." So, so yeah, like it's. It's getting to that point where you can meet in the middle and still, like, like let's become good hitters. Not just a great home run hitter and a strikeout hitter or whatever, or just a singles guy. Like, let's get in that middle spot. Well, obviously, it depends on the athlete, too. Like, if you're a Joey Gallo kind, like... Yeah, drop bombs. That guy, drop bombs, whatever. That's fine. That's, that's your role. But majority of you guys just have to be good hitters yep at the end of the day so that's i think that's one thing i really wish i 
really got a hold of was being that. So I think that's what probably ended my career a little bit too soon was I just struck out too much, which is understandable. So is what it is. But at the same time, like, I still try to become that great hitter. It just unfortunately didn't work out for me. No, that's all. That's all good stuff, and I, I completely, I, I agree 100 percent with everything you just said. Like, I, it's definitely got to meet a fine line somewhere. Just to, you know, you got to play to your strengths of, of <laughs> who you are. You can't be something that you're not because then that's gonna, you know, you're, you're gonna fail, and then that failure turns into oh, what am I doing wrong? And you try to rehaul everything, and now you're just you're you're in a tornado that's never gonna end. Um, but I want to go ahead and wrap up. So the last thing that we do on the show is I have uh, some fun questions I ask you. Some some quick fire, just one word, one word, quick answers, whatever you got. Um, so we'll go through these and then we'll be done. We'll sign off and let's go ahead and jump into these quick fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Coming in hot. Favorite bat. Favorite bat. Like bat model, that, that like what's your what bat model are you swinging? Bat model I'm swinging is uh, Axe. Big. But if I had to choose an Axe brand, it would be Victus. Big Axe handle guy, I huh? See where I stand. <laughs> Favorite batting gloves. What batting gloves are you using? Franklin's. Helmet pine tar, yes or no? No. Oh god, what kind of swag do you have? C <laughs> C flap. None, or... I'm not Dominican. <laughs> <laughs> C flap or no C flap? C flap. I got hit in the face two uh, summer nineteen with Monterey. Oh god. Got a frac- got a fractured face, so it was fun. One thing you'd change about the game today, the about baseball. If there's one thing I could change is get rid of Rob Manfred. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Get him out of here. Smell you, dude. Favorite cleats? What kind of cleats are you rocking? Oh, um, what did I rock this year? I was Under Armors. The Harpers. The Harps. Dude, I went to those, and like I've always been New Balance. I went to the Harpers. I gotta say, those are pretty freaking comfortable. Like. And I have weird, like, Told you. I have some weird feet. Like, my feet are flat, they're wide, so shoes don't fit me all that great. The Harpers, man, they were... And Pete's been on... Pete Pete gets the Harpers from... Uh, he, he's the TJ Maxx shopper, the Ross shopper. Go in there and get them for $5. He's wearing Hell a, yeah! He was wearing a purple pair last year up there in the Yenzer, but... What can you do when you're bargain shopping as a broke Nothing baseball wrong player? With that. Seeds or gum during a game? Gum. High pants or low pants? Uh, low pants, but high, high pants if they're with the right stirrups. Okay. Uh, what's your ideal post-game spread look like? Oh, got a nice 16-ounce juicy steak ribeye. We <laughs> got... Mashed potatoes, we got gravy, we have broccoli, and then we have a chocolate chip cookie. 
You really you you're you're going for the big league spread here. Jeez, that is well, real we actually got yeah, that's what I'm saying. Spread up in Idaho Falls, so I can't complain. You yeah. had what? We had like a couple big league spreads in Idaho Falls a couple games, so I was like, yeah, this is the life. Really? Yeah. Lucky you. We didn't even get to touch on Idaho Falls. Kind of. I want to touch on the whole Pioneer thing. But we just didn't get there. Um, Part yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Part two of this podcast, what we're gonna have to do. Part two. Um, pre-game, are you going with Apple or Spotify? Spotify. Oh gosh, dude. Jeez, man. Favorite MLB stadium. Oh, tough one. I mean, I grew up going to Coors Field. It's probably one of the best ones out there. But if the ones I've been to, Wrigley, probably by far, just because of the history. Yeah. And when I went to a game at Wrigley, it was a Tuesday night game versus the Dodgers in April, and the place was still sold out and going nuts. So, yeah, it was awesome. What stadiums have you been to? Uh, Coors, Wrigley, uh, the new Rangers stadium, the old Rangers stadium. Um or else Minnesota, Arizona, uh, San Francisco, Oakland, um, Seattle, Atlanta. Damn, you have a long list the, here. The old Turner Field, not the new one. Oh, Cincinnati. Oh, uh, Pete's hometown. Pete's hometown, baby. Uh, I think that's it. Okay, so... You have to replace three MLB stadiums. Which three are you picking to replace? Tropicana. <laughs> Agreed. Oakland. Agreed. And... Wait, sucks. Oh, oh. I've been to KC, too. Sorry. Now I, I, I forgot about that one. Um, Pete says the White Sox. I'm trying to think of anyone else. Um... I've walked around PNC. The PNC is too nice. PNC is um, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to say the White Sox. If you can play for any team that's not your hometown team, so you can't play for the Rockies, who are you choosing? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Phillies. Favorite uniform in the MLB? This can be a home uniform, visitor, uh, alternate, throwback, any uniform. San Diego's brown unis. Love them. Current brown ones? Brown and yellow, maybe. Current ones? Yes. Yeah, those are sweet. Those are fire. They're badass. What about the uh, city concept uniforms? What do you think of those? Ooh. There's a couple that are good and a couple that are like, yeah. Yo, the Wrigleyville ones? Those, those are, are tight. Those are sick. Yeah, those, are, those go a little hard. Those are... And really, as yeah. a Boston fan, I actually love the Boston ones going with the... I was about to say, I like the Boston ones, Yeah, too. going Just with the Boston... The behind it. Yeah, the Boston Marathon colors, I think that's pretty sick. Yes. Really sick. I So, I hated the Miami ones. I thought those were terrible. The Dodgers yeah. ones were terrible. Yeah. Uh, the Diamondbacks ones, dude, like, those got slept on. But the cream with the the snake variation the, the rattlesnake on there that was that, those were pretty nice too yes 100 percent. 
I'm a I'm a big jersey uniform guy, so I, like I love the NBA for that reason because every team has like six uniforms, and obviously it's all for branding purposes so they can make more money. But I really wish MLB would go into that more where they have multiple uniform sets. So I was pretty excited to see Nike doing that this year. As much as I hate Nike, but just yeah, I'm going. sure since they're with Nike now that they will continue to do it. Yeah, I think they I definitely think they were a hit. All right, final three questions. <clears throat> First purchase with your MLB contract, what are you buying? Earth Roamer. A what? Earth Roamer. What the hell is that? No. That is a luxury off-road RV. <laughs> if you could sit down with one player and just talk to him, you know, share a moment, who would it be? Brooks Robinson. Wow, you and my dad, man. That's uh, that's his guy too. My uh, my uh, my grandpa. He played in the Orioles organization, uh, and, and so he played a little bit with Brooks Robinson, and I was named after Brooks Robinson. So sweet. That's why. Mm-hmm. Sweet. All right. Final question. You go back in time. You go. You can go back in baseball history for one moment. Where are you going? Ooh. Um, there's a lot of good moments. Gosh, I got a good one, but Brooks, go ahead and say yours. <laughs> I want. I would love to relive the whole '07 run the Rockies had. Oh, when the Red Sox beat their ass. Yes, but. That 07 run when they won 23 out of 84 to go to the World Series was by far the probably one of my most favorite memories of baseball ever. Pete? Uh, last year going back-to-back off of Jeremy Warlinski. <laughs> back-to-back pitches. That's that- a sports... Worley, if you're listening, I'm sorry, buddy. That was but, uh, was that during a, a NWO game, like at the very end? Yeah, it was, at a, it was during an NWO game, and Worley leaves a fastball right there for me. And I thought it stayed fair, and they ended up calling it foul. And so I'm I'm walking back to the to home plate, and Joe goes. Hundred bucks, you won't hit this next one out. Oh yeah! And he hangs. And Worley just hangs me a curveball, and I hit it out. <laughs> I get back to home plate, and Joe's like, "Check your Venmo." <laughs> Pete, you went after. Did you go after him? No. How how would I be able to follow that up? Oh, I thought you said you went back to back. Yeah, he did. Oh, I thought I thought it was with you too. No, uh, no. Oh, I, yeah, I do remember that though. And I, I actually I saw saw on your Instagram post I saw Joe make the comment about he he paid you know he paid you, and I'd actually forgotten about that. I was like, what is Joe talking about? He paid Brooks, but now I know. Yeah, he's he's paid me a lot for homers. Yeah, now I remember. So. I remember that. Well, dude. It was great having you on. I'm glad after a year we were finally able to do this because we were talking about doing this last year in the hotel. Pete, I'm so glad you were back. You were able to co-host with me. 
I, I hope we're able to do this again more often now that, you know, once you go win a, a ring with old Lexington, but you'll come join me on the podcast and, and be my co-host and we can do this a lot more often. Brooks, I appreciate it, man. We're going to have to do a round two. Before you uh, sign off, you have any advice to anybody listening or you got a message you want to share? Whatever you got, man. The floor is yours. Whatever I got. No, God. <laughs> Let's not go that far. <laughs> oh, man. Just honestly, whoever's listening, if you're a high school guy, you're a college guy, just play as long as you can. That's all I got to say. Back. En- enjoy the game. Like, it's going to be over before you know it. Well, hey, dude. I appreciate it, man. I, I know it's late. I know we stayed up late doing this, but I appreciate y'all. Um, this was a great episode, and I can't wait for it to be to be out for everyone to listen to it. Uh, thank you yes. guys again for coming off, man, and uh, coming on. And uh, like I said, we'll do this again sometimes. We got to stay in touch. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate Thank you for letting me be on. It was fun. I know Chance is probably like, bro, let's go to bed. Come on, man. <laughs>